0: Yesterday, I had the privilege of being with Bayberry School, 5th through 8th graders, as they did a community project. Someone, a friend, a relative of someone, a member of our church, um, needed some work done around their house, and they went and did it. Spent one hour. And uh, I happened to be uh, substitute teaching yesterday, so I was part of it. Fun. And as we did it, and, and saw the enjoyment on the face of the lady who had this being done for her. It let me know that this is a huge element of ministry that God has called us to, and that's meeting needs of people. So I'm excited about it. You know we've been talking about the Cape Cod Connect, and uh, we'll talk more about it as we continue to go that direction, but this is, this is a calling that God has placed on us to minister to needs. Those needs may be a call. Those needs may be a card. Those needs may be raked leaves. Those needs may be a drive to the hospital. Those needs may be a little bit extra groceries. Who knows? But it's ministering to those needs where we walk and fulfill the, actually the ministry of Jesus. So I'm excited, looking forward to keeping you updated as we continue moving that direction. Um, and you know, there was something else, but I've forgotten. Hopefully it will come back to my mind sometime in the future, right? Uh, Do you mind just bowing your heads with me? Father, I pray for your spirit to speak through me and not mine. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I remember a present that I wanted. A BB gun. A BB gun. Pump, Pump action. No, it wasn't a daisy. It was an Air Crossman. I, I remember distinctly, and my father and I had walked through Kmart. You remember Kmart's? We had here not, not too long ago, right? And this was before Walmart existed. And um, there was such a time, right? And we would look at the 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 pellet BB gun, and I would stare and dream of having. But it was a lot of money. It was thirty dollars. And it's just a lot of money. Um, and I remember thinking, man, it'd be so nice, but it can't. And eventually, um, I think my father saw my desire and I knew that they were going to try to, they didn't say it, but I had a sense they're going to try to get that. Um, and I remember just looking for it, thinking about it. I was a avid reader. I love American history, and I would read about all these patriots who do this with their guns and do this with their guns, and I want to be a frontiers man out there. And Yeah, there's a whole lot to it, but I wanted something, so I thought about it, dreamed about it. It was always there. You know, um, do you remember a specific desire you had as a kid? Maybe uh, for those of you who are kids right now, a specific desire that you have right now, Something that you want. Something that you're looking forward to. You know, when you get older, it doesn't change much, really. There are big things we dream about, right? Big things that we desire. The reality is that um, our dreams have changed a little bit. At least mine has, the older I get. It's become a little less material, a little bit more relational. And I think that's maybe uh, just a sign of uh, maturation. At least I hope so. But there is this... This desires that we have come into our hearts. You know, we're not alone. This desire, this hoping for something has been happening for a long time. And today I'd like to just take a little bit of time looking at a different perspective of the shepherds at the time of Jesus' birth. I believe that they had desires. Some incredible desires. You know, they were kind of the, they didn't have the best job If you would put it this way, they pretty much worked hand-to-mouth all the time. They were underappreciated, worked 24-7. They had um, just a lot of uh, stress that was played out in their lives. They run swing shifts at night, right, just to make sure that each other would get enough sleep. However, it was during some of those long evening hours, a little over 2,000 years ago, that the conversation went something like, isn't it time? Isn't it just about time? I mean, we've been studying, and and we can see from what we see in prophecy that the Messiah should be coming soon. I wonder what it's going to be like. Oh, yeah, me too. And then they would go into their favorite thing to do as Jewish shepherds, dreaming about what would happen when the Messiah came. Oh, he is going to do this, and he's going to do that. And I thought today, if you don't mind, we look at some of the places where the dreams came from. Is that okay? First, they would look at the writings of Moses, right? They probably wouldn't say Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, but I'll say that just in case you want to know where it's at, okay? But remember when it said that the scepter, that ruling rod is not going to leave from Judah? Until Shiloh comes? He hasn't come yet. And, and do you remember Moses? He said there was going to be a prophet that was going to rise up like him, that is going to do some great things. I wonder when he's going to come. What kind of dreams they must have had. I like to look at some of them. Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. This, I'm sure... Could have been one of their dreams. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet very well known. And shepherds back then, well, they were Jewish shepherds. And so they were familiar with what you and I call the scriptures. Yes? They had studied them. Uh, Some have said that um, they had memorized large portions of scripture. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. They might have questioned this. For unto Asa, what? A child is born, unto us a a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as they're thinking about and remembering these things, they remember the the next verse, of the increase of of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. I'm looking for that. A government without end. Peace without end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. I can imagine shepherds, kind of the bottom of the totem pole in that society, longing for justice. Yes, longing for judgment and their favor. Longing for a world that would be, quite frankly, free of Roman government, but with the government of the Messiah they might have also thought of Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35. And verse 3. Starting with verse 3. Isaiah 35, starting with verse 3. It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Can I hear an amen? I've got a weak hand. I know some of you understand having feeble knees, right? Here it is. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not what? Fear. Fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and do what? He will save you. They're looking for a savior. The savior that's gonna come and strengthen them. The savior that's gonna have vengeance on their enemies. Then it says in verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A whole new day when that which is wrong will be made right. What a desire. Longing for that How long have they been waiting? I don't know. How long was this conversation there at nighttime looking for the Messiah? I don't know. But I do know that that conversation is not gone. That conversation of looking for the Messiah still exists today. Exists with us. We're not looking for a first time coming king. We're looking for the second time he's coming. Amen? It wasn't just Isaiah and Moses who talked about it. Jeremiah did too. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness where? In the earth. There was going to be a Messiah that wasn't going to simply come, but he's going to reign over everything. It's going to be a just reign. It's going to be fantastic. No longer do we have to be uh, underneath this Roman rule. Now we can have our own kingdom, our own power, and it's going to be a just kingdom. It's going to be a righteous kingdom. It says, in his days, Judah will be saved, and all Israel will what? Dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. I don't know what kind of dreams you have concerning the second coming, but these are the dreams that they had concerning the first. This is what they're looking for this, this king to come, this peace to come, this righteousness, the wrong things being made right. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7. So Haggai uh, is just towards the end of the Old Testament. So uh, if you have reached Zechariah, you just need to go back a few pages. So Haggai chapter 2. So as we're going through this, we've looked at, at, at Moses. Moses is giving this, this talking about the Messiah. Years before the Messiah comes, 1,500 years roughly. And then you get to Isaiah who's talking about it, and Isaiah is giving his counsel, probably about 700 years before the Messiah comes. And then Jeremiah gives his about 500 years before the Messiah comes. And now Haggai, he's a different guy. See, Haggai is the prophet that's reigning after the Babylonian captivity. The temple is being built, and as the temple is being built, it's so different than the first one. The first temple that was built was made by which famous king? King Solomon. Some of you have studied one of the seven ancient wonders of the ancient world was Solomon's temple. It was magnificent. And now they're building this temple as they come back. The Bible tells us that some of the old men who had seen Solomon's temple had a chance to see the foundation of this new temple, and they wept. Wept at its inferiority. Wefted its lack of what used to be. Haggai was a prophet during this time. And here's what he tells them in Haggai 2, starting with verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to whom? The The desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So here is this prophecy. And I can imagine our temple-loving Jewish shepherds saying, remember, this temple is going to be the greatest one. It's gonna be even greater than Solomon's temple. We don't quite understand it. Yes, the Romans have made it out of marble because the Romans had greatly enriched that temple by that time. There was gold caps on it. Inside, there was gold and covered walls there inside the temple of Jesus' day. It was a beautiful structure. And they were saying, look, it's gonna be greater. But the prophecy wasn't talking about the marble, wasn't talking about the gold plating. The prophecy was talking about something different. What was it talking about? The desire of all nations. He was going to walk inside that temple. And when he walked in the temple, the glory would be greater than that of Solomon's. It's not the temple that makes the temple great. It's who's in the temple. It's not a church building that is holy. It's the God that's in it that is holy. It's not the Christian that is righteous. It is the God that's in the Christian that is righteous. Well, this is what they're looking forward to and I could say probably that the shepherd's desire wasn't much different than a lot of their fellow countrymen, right? Can you imagine mamas telling stories as they put their kids to bed? You know, we read stories at our house before we go to bed sometimes. And maybe you remember hearing them sometimes. Stories about Noah, Esther, David, Ruth. We read stories before we go to sleep at night. Well, can you imagine the stories that you would hear then? The Messiah's coming soon. Daniel told us in in Daniel chapter nine, they wouldn't say Daniel chapter nine, but you know, the prophet Daniel tells us that he's supposed to come after somehow this 49 weeks. Something special is supposed to take place. 70 weeks, sorry. 490 years. I get my, This something special is taking place. He's going to be coming. Can you imagine little children say, I can't wait for the Messiah to come. That was their dream. But some people did not dream such dreams. It was different. They weren't looking for the Messiah to come. The only reason they wanted the Messiah to come was to the benefit themselves. And here's what it says. Uh, I have a book that I enjoy reading about the life of Christ called Desire of Ages. Page 44, it says this. The priests and teachers of the nation knew not the greatest event of the ages was about to take place. Who did not know? The priests and teachers of the nations. It says they rehearsed their meaningless prayers. I always find that a little bit of uh, unsettling, isn't it? They're praying, but their prayers are meaningless and performed the rites of worship to be seen by men. They were there on Sabbath, so somebody else could see they were there on Sabbath. It goes on and says this, but in their strife for riches and worldly honor, they were not prepared for the revelation of the Messiah. The same indifference pervaded the land of Israel. Hearts selfish and world-engrossed were untouched, by the joy that thrilled all heaven. Only a few were longing to behold the unseen. And please note this, to these, heaven's embassy was sent. God sees searching hearts. And that's who he sends heaven's embassy to. Those of us who are searching, God sends his messengers to. And I say, praise God. I don't know about you, but I see the desire here a little bit different. Desire for riches. Desire for worldly honor. Desire that's world engrossed. Where is our desire? I look at myself and say, Chuck, what is your desire? It it swings sometimes. I, I hope you don't mind me being honest with you. Sometimes my desire swings. I'm a parent. And so sometimes it's like, okay, I want to make sure we have enough, right? I want to make sure that that, that there is this kind of accomplishment in their lives. It's just and true, but that better not be my highest desire. My highest desire for my children, for my family, should be the righteousness of Christ. Should be a fellowship with God. Should be experiencing what it's like to be connected with him, a longing for the Messiah to come again. He goes on and describes in Matthew chapter 23 Jesus tells us a little bit about their desires. Jesus really did not mince words with them in Matthew chapter 23. Those you're familiar with Matthew 23, this is uh, the woes on the Pharisees and leadership chapter. Matthew chapter 23. And verse 5 says, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteri- phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. So phylacteries, you know what a phylactery is, right? Okay, it just sounds cool. Now you can say phylactery. Well, you, we could say it together. Phylactery. Okay, phylactery was a box, if you will, for I'm completely condensing this. And you would put it on your forehead. You would tie it there. Maybe you have strings going around your head. And in it, you would put a little portion of scripture, because the Bible said in Deuteronomy that you should have His law in your uh, on your forehead and on your hands. And of course, God meant you should guide your thoughts and your actions. That's what it meant. But they were thinking, let's just take it literal. So if you have a bigger box. That means you have more scripture in there and you're a better person. So they'd make these big phylacteries and they'd walk around. Look at me. My phylactery is bigger than yours. And of course, he would never say that because we don't say that today, do we? Have you noticed that about people who are spiritually proud? They don't say they're spiritually proud. They just kind of show off. And so these were show-offs showing how spiritual they were with their broad phylacteries. It says, they love the best places at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. They like to kind of be in a place where people knew about them. Ps. hey, did you know where I sat at Simon's Feast? <laughs> Next to Simon. Can you imagine he invited me up there? Oh, but he remembered what I did for him and he remembered this. It's kind of, I, I smile at it, but it's, it, it's amazing how we can um, be prideful, yes? Um, as humans. And this was the desire, position, fame, spiritual honor. They loved the greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Um, Yeah. Every now and then I'm about to say something. I think, you know what? Saying that may not be the wisest thing to say so I'm not going to, but please realize, let's not, let's not strive for worldly honor or even spiritual honor. Let God take care of those things. Amen? So verse 23, chapter 23 goes on, and it talks about in verses 16 through 19, uh, Jesus speaks very strongly. He goes, woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform. What is the focus? The gold. Uh, verse 18, and whoever swears by the altar is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar, the gift that is on, he is obliged to perform it. It's not the altar that's great, it's, it's the gift. And um, there's this, this emphasis on fame, this emphasis on worldliness, this emphasis on gold and gifts that you see coming out. In this, they had their desires. The shepherds, their desires weren't all right, but they wanted the Messiah. You know, I used to, to think that um, you had to have perfect understanding to be accepted by God. <laughs> Praise God, it's not that way. Amen? So they don't have perfect understanding. Do the shepherds? No. Is God going to come and free them from the Romans? That's not why the Messiah is coming, but they're desiring the Messiah. And they truly want him, everything that's about him, and he realizes that. And to them, he sends the embassy of heaven. There then were the others who said, "You know what? I don't know really we want the Messiah per se, but I wouldn't mind what comes with the Messiah." And God passes by them. It's amazing, you know. Really, who should have received the acknowledgment that the Messiah had come? It should have happened at the temple. An angel should have been sent. Would come right down into the temple and speak to the high priest and say, High priest, the Messiah is born as we have promised. He's in Bethlehem. And he would have known and he could have energized the whole kingdom, but he didn't come to the high priest because the high priest wasn't looking for it. He didn't come to any of the priests. Where'd he go? Shepherds. Yeah, the bottom line. Those who were searching. And thank you, Theo, from a children's story those who were humble, those who were seeking. You know, uh, there's there's something about desires and fulfillment that I think I'd like to, to share with us as we kind of close our thoughts this morning from the Word of God. The desire, the fulfillment of our desires oftentimes doesn't look like fulfillment. The fulfillment of our desires oftentimes doesn't look like fulfillment. So the shepherds, they're, they're told this, uh, they're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for this great conqueror. And here's what they hear from the angels. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The fulfillment of our desires doesn't always look like fulfillment. A baby. Swaddling clothes. That's what you put around the baby when they're first born. You and I would use the Terry's newborn diaper. Right? Special little blankets. Nice. Lying in a manger where you feed animals. A baby and a diaper and a place where you feed animals. This is the fulfillment of your desire. I didn't expect it that way. Sometimes God gives us something that we're not expecting to accomplish what we really, truly desire in our hearts. You know, um, when I was looking for someone to share my life with, I kind of, you know, looked at different ideas, different people that I spent time with. But I never imagined that the one God chose for me was the girl next door. I'm so glad. But I didn't imagine that. I never considered it. And sometimes God fulfills our desires in ways we don't expect. Is that right? Uh, he fills it in a way that doesn't look like a fulfillment until we find out later that it is what God wanted and what we wanted. Something else about fulfillment of desire. The fulfillment of our desires oftentimes isn't what we were planning. The fulfillment of our desires is often not what we were planning. Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one and verse 21. Matthew one verse 21. Oh, can I share a little bit more about that lady that I found? Okay, Um, I had a checklist. Those of you who know me know this, and those of you who know me know I could groan when you hear me say this, but I had a checklist, okay? Here is what I would like. Here is what a good girl is going to be like, a good lady. and Call it whatever you want to call it, but that's what I did. But on that list was not this. A wife who's going to teach me how to interact with others different from me socially, economically, and spiritually. That was not on my list. But God knew I needed it, so he gave it. On my list was not someone who's going to help me improve my character. It was not part of my list, but God gave it. The ladies are saying amen, and the men are silent. (laughs) On my list was not this, someone who's going to push me beyond where I'm at in ministry to a wider sphere. I would have sat back, put my feet up and said, I'm here for the rest of my life, don't move me. And even though she looks kind and gentle over there, she pushed and pushed and pushed and said, no, 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 you need to consider this, you need to consider that, why not this? We can do it. And she's sweet and gentle, but she doesn't stop talking about it. God gave me what I wasn't looking for. It wasn't part of how I would have planned it. But God does that with our desires. Oftentimes, our desires are not fulfilled the way we would do it, not based upon our planning. Verse 21 of Matthew 1. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and for he will save his people From their sins. But we wanted a Savior, yes, but not a Savior from sin. We wanted a Savior from the Romans. God, you messed it up. We want a Savior from poverty. We want a Savior from work. We want a Savior from trials, not a Savior from sin. No, I'm giving you Jesus a Savior from sin, and more specifically, from your sins. Wait, 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 wait! How about a savior from the effects of sin? No, 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 no. A savior from your sin. What a God. We can look at it now and say amen, but that wasn't what they were wanting. That wasn't the kind of savior. That's not quite what they were planning. Now, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You know, God for us, I get. So when we're going out to fight, he's next to us. God, God like giving us things, but does he have to be with us? Because if he's with us, then there's that righteousness thing. We'll, we'll sense how good he is and we're going to not feel too good when he's around us. No, 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 no. God said, I'm sending us someone to be with you. Someone who's going to be with you. That's what Christ is to be. It's not part of our plans. Maybe, but it's a part of his. So I have a question for you just a practical application of what we've been studying today. Um, What are your desires as we end up 2021? What kind of desires do you have? Um, Maybe uh, desires concerning your family, desires concerning your job, desires concerning your life, desires concerning retirement, desires concerning home, desires concerning... um, uh, finances. What are, I mean, we have desires, right? We all have desires. I'd like to suggest that the time of the shepherds is not unlike our time. They were dreaming of the Messiah to come. And so are we. But the shepherds couldn't stop talking about it. They got it wrong sometimes. And quite frankly, I think that we're going to find out someday that there's some things we aren't quite right on. I'm not talking about the stuff that we know for sure from the Bible, but there's sometimes we add to it. I know it sounds hard to believe, but we as Christians sometimes add a little bit because we're so excited. And maybe we'll be shocked when we find out, you know what, it wasn't quite the way you're adding fit out. However, what is... Your desire, your desire for the Messiah to come. You know, they were looking for a long time, and I know we've been talking about it for a long time. Sometimes we look at Jesus coming, and we're like, (laughs) yeah, I heard about that when I was a kid. Some of you are a little bit further from kid than others, and you've been talking about it for a while. But it hasn't changed the fact that Jesus Christ will come on time. He will not tarry. It will seem like it's too late. Remember the parable of the the 10 virgins? But he will be. He will come. Or we have a choice of waiting. Not waiting, but kind of being like the leadership. You know what? I'm going to be engrossed in the world, focused on what the world has to offer, focused on fulfilling my life here and now, and not think about the Messiah to come. Those are the two choices that we face always when we think about the Messiah. What they faced, their desires, will be our desires today too. You know, there's a few questions for me, and you can listen in. Do I desire the Savior or the good things he gives me? Do I desire the coming king or just look forward to being able to be at a place where I don't have to work anymore? Do I desire freedom from sin or do I desire freedom from those people I just don't like? My desire is I want to have a closer walk with Jesus Christ. I want to be ready for him. And that, you know how that comes? Not from me getting my little list, because you know I like lists. Getting my little list out and say, Chuck, make sure you do this today, this today, this today, this day. But from me saying, okay, God, I'm here. What do you want with me? I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to dream about you. I'm going to dream what it means to be connected with you. And I'm going to ask you to have mercy on me. 2022. What's your desire? Like the shepherds, we don't live in ordinary times, and it's not time for ordinary desires. Jesus is the desire of all nations. He is coming again, and may that be your desire. Let's pray. Our Father, Fill us with the fervor of the shepherds. Give us a desire like they had. Even though our desires aren't perfect, may our desires be filled with you. We pray for your grace, that we can rest in it, trust in it, and move forward by faith. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. We pray in his name. Amen.